football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports now welcome along football show Dan McDonald the Irish Independence alongside me good evening Evening, Joe. Champions League's getting interesting. Well, in the sense that only one of the groups was in any way interesting because most teams knew their fate. But the Spurs group was interesting in advance and it's becoming more interesting across the evening, Dan. The interesting thing that could have happened has happened. Yes. In the sense that Marseille, despite being deprived the presence of a, a portion of their fanatical support, are still doing enough to unsettle Spurs. 67% possession, I think, in the first half they had. And a one nil lead, more to the point. So they've been dominant. Mm. You suspect Spurs went out with that horrible thought in their head: once we don't get beaten, mm. we're okay. And maybe it's hard to assert yourself. And Conte in the stand. Son went off injured midway through the game. A lot of things are not going the way they would have liked. So it's Marseille one, Spurs nil. Second half just about to start because there were seven, eight minutes of added time in the first half in that game. And crucially, Sporting Lisbon one nil up against Frankfurt. So that means, as things stand. Sporting would top the group, Marseille would qualify in second and Spurs would be in third. Elsewhere, it's as you were, these groups were all decided before tonight. Napoli and Liverpool both going through, nil all. At Anfield, Napoli 16 points, Liverpool 13 points, so Napoli first, Liverpool second. Then we have uh, Porto and Club Bruges, again, both already through this evening. Bayern and Inter, both already through. Bayern with 18 points, Inter with 10. Latest in that game is Bayern Munich 1, Inter nil Bayern at home this evening it was uh, Pavard with the goal for Bayern this evening so uh, again the real source of interest is in Marseille the game in front of us and uh, Conte and Spurs haven't been phenomenal at times chasing games Bournemouth uh, an exception obviously Mm. late, but more set up to counter and to contain but they're going to have to get a goal here minimum yeah and like as much as they've I know you're right to mention the Bournemouth game but like as much as they've um, had their difficulties in the league really you're, you're sort of just assumed and maybe it's like we talked a lot here about like the, the sort of the power of the Premier League and how their clubs can sort of you know have just becoming they have an ability to sort of saunter through some of these competitions with a sort of a handful of exceptions um, didn't really get the sense that this was a realistic scenario that they would go out tonight you know go out the Champions League tonight and even the tone of some of the coverage leading up to the game I know there was a sense of oh yeah this is a big match but I think in the back of the head a lot of people just assumed they'll be fine you know Marseille are not a not a superpower team in the context and, and the sort of this this Premier League outfit will will get it done but um, they're just in a pure cup tie territory now like you know what I mean it's not it's uh, it's it's at that stage where it's yeah you just like 45 minutes and see if you got the sort of uh, I don't know the bottle the character you know Roy Keane would just say this is all about Spursy at the moment wouldn't he Spurs doing doing Spurs things mm-hmm Liverpool this evening, nil all. Alisson in goal, uh, Alexander-Arnold, Canate, Van Dijk, <coughs> Simicas. And then a midfield three of Milner, Fabinho, Thiago, Mo Salah, Firmino through the middle and Curtis Jones, the Liverpool team this evening. So nil all, not much on the line here. I was watching a reasonable proportion of Jurgen Klopp's pre-match press conference. He talked at one stage for six minutes uninterrupted. Yeah. And he was still in very good form. He was 
messing with reporters when they were forgetting to pass the microphone so they were off mic. At one stage he was talking about, you know, a sleepless night because of, you know, thinking about the goal that we conceded, the second goal that we conceded against Leeds given sleepless night. But then he was saying, but that's not, the, you know, I'm 55 years old, I have to get up and go to the toilet a lot these times. Mm. You know, it's not the real, I wasn't sleepless about the goal either. And he said, people say I've lost my energy. I said, I'm full of energy, I'm feeling great. But he did also say this won't be a quick fix. Interestingly, on uh, Virgin last week, Damien Delaney of the opinion that Liverpool, I don't know, has he heard this through the grapevine or, you know, people in football talk that Liverpool perhaps got their pre-season all wrong, which would be staggering given the expertise which has been on display in that department over the last number of years. They've been Mm. physically as good as any team there has been. So... I don't know. Yeah, I remember there was that, wasn't there that thing at the start of the season where they arranged a friendly, a closed doors friendly, I think it might even have been against Aston Villa, um, for the day after the opening game, away to Fulham, yeah. where they um, were very poor and then they obviously felt, okay, we need some more, more minutes in the legs and uh, I think actually Mark Lawrenson was on here talking about that at one stage, suggesting there was a feeling that they they felt they were potentially undercooking. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, when you when you go through the grueling season that they had last year, playing all the games they possibly could, there's a World Cup coming in this year. You know, sometimes can you overthink something to the point of then actually uh, it not being the best thing to do at all? Like, did they try and tailor? And this is just as you said, it's all a degree of speculation with this. Like, did they just tailor their schedule to prepare for the, you know, to be conscious of the year they've had and what's coming, and just leave themselves a little bit short? Um, well, the sense I got from Damien's comments, for instance, uh, was of overtraining. Oh, really? Okay, in response the to that. The other end, the other end. Like, then why would they have the extra game at the start of the season? I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's just one of the theories out there. I mean, it would explain some of what's going on because it's just so staggering and, and un- unexpected and, and um, abrupt. Mm. So we're talking about a team that have won four games in 12 in the Premier League. They're now being talked as being 15 points off Arsenal. That increasingly is an irrelevant statistic. They're eight points off the top four. Forget about Arsenal on the top of the table. That's done. Uh, to be fair, the Leeds game is is an interesting one in that they still created a lot of chances. And Darwin Nunes, for one, should have taken some of them. There was the one where he should have lifted it over the keeper a bit earlier. He went more for power. And Melier made lots of saves. None of them were world class. No. They were doing your job, as a certain pundit might say. Yeah. And the other thing which jumped out was a point of attitude. Maybe with different players, there are different things going on. With Van Dijk, it's hard to figure out the malaise. But certainly, if you think of the Van Dijk that we saw against Manchester City, sliding full length to stop crosses coming in so sharp and on top of everything. And then you think of the Van Dijk, for instance, for the um, the Gomez mistake. Now, ultimately, it's Gomez's mistake. And it's unfortunate Alisson slips. But you just feel like the Van Dijk that we saw against Manchester City was more on his toes, more alive to mm. danger. It was just so flat-footed to that moment even happening. And again, it's dreadful from Gomez. I, I had a glance back at it. He never once looked up at Alisson to see where Alisson was. He was operating entirely on assumption. And so the fault does rest with him and it's unfortunate Alisson slips. But th- that Van Dijk moment of just complete flatness. Yeah. And, you know, I, if he hadn't been so good against City then you would say oh there's something off there uh, like physically or maybe he's not he's, you know his head isn't right in some way well, well sorry I do think it's that his head's not right well yeah it must I be uh, not, his head's not right but I don't know like is the City just that like he you know the great players can elevate themselves for a performance but it could be something physically that like over time it just catches hmm. you know that that it's yes like you know will, what, will, what will we see from at the World Cup you know he missed the last major tournament 
because of his injury, mm. you know, with his country. Now, they didn't make the one prior to that. Um, from, yeah, I think that's correct. So, like, he's he's not necessarily had a, a great run of major tournaments. Maybe, like, this is something that's huge around the horizon. Do you lose a percent or a couple of percent? I don't know. Again, you're just, like, you're, you're asking the question because, yeah. I mean, you're basically talking about a mental equation there and you kind of wonder is he one of those players what I always think I want to think about his situation though he is like he had that period of thinking this guy is like he's infallible here yes. like he's, but once he loses that aura like does that sort of have an impact on the players around him too like you, you clearly like you have this presence of this this reassuring presence who sort of digs people out of problems or he's their, he's their leader or however you want to phrase it and if he's just that you suddenly think, God, he's not the player he was now, mm-hmm. or he's more liable to be a mistake now. There's almost a collective loss of confidence that 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 maybe can come with that. Like you lose that 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 steel that you felt you had. Although, like Liverpool at their best, it's not even it was steel. It was that they were so much better at taking risks than others because they were able. They had these sort of world class ability to to cover. Like they always took risks in how they played, and and now they're just getting. It's really much more regularly. It, well, it's really interesting you say that because Klopp was talking about the goal which frustrated him, the second goal, and he said that what happened there in his mind was that a bunch of the Liverpool players assumed they were about to win the ball and if they all moved up into certain areas yeah. they would have overloads and be ready to really take advantage of winning the ball. And then crucially, as has been an aspect of their play this season, they didn't win the ball and suddenly they're so exposed. And it's not a fun back four to play for at the moment. They were exposed countless times in that game game on Mm. Saturday. It wasn't just, oh, that one moment where they thought they were going to win the ball and they gambled. There were at least five, six occasions where, and it's odd in a team that had Fabinho in it, the experience of Thiago and Harvey Elliott, who even though he's playing a lot of games, is working very hard. You know, he's young and enthusiastic. But the amount of times that Fabinho, Thiago and Harvey Elliott found themselves sprinting back towards their own goal, four or five Leeds players in behind them running at their back four. It's just really like yeah. Know, there was a a wildness to it, which has often suited Liverpool, but that wildness doesn't suit them anymore. Physically, you know, they don't want that type of game. It seems at the moment. See, this is part of the problem. I think I remember being here. I think it was David Myler was on. Now, ironically, it was the day before the City game when there was a sense of like they're going to get hammered um, if they keep playing the way they are, and they weren't. But part of the discussion was. Um, and the point you're, you're sort of looking to make like when the, the problems that they're suffering are so tied in with their identity when they're good if you know what I mean like the way they play like you, you naturally think okay what are they going to do are they going to suddenly be a little bit more conservative in their play yeah. but that blunts that neutralises uh, their strength you know and, and clearly like the coach is not sort of disposed towards you know doing things in that way but then as a result, are you in a situation where they just go down on this ship, if you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know, we're not expecting that he's suddenly like a manager under pressure, suddenly going to suddenly decide, actually, you know, we'll, we'll tell one or two of our midfielders to just sit here. That's not going to be the, the response. But that, that makes it hard because they just really, like, how do they fix their problem? You're just going to do what you do no. better. Just, to, just do, to be, be a better version of yourself. Like, that's a very simple fix. I was you know? thinking about the exact point watching them where I they're doing what they used to do so well really badly at the moment but reverting to a completely different approach which they'd be grand at and would have a much lower ceiling can't be the answer either so they're stuck between yeah do we shoot for the stars here or do we just become 
more solid. Yeah, and like I suppose the listen fans and people listening will say, well, just get better players as well. Like you know, get get you know a better all round say midfielders, you know, who are better able to sort of do do some of the, mm. you know, who are, who are better suited to sort of uh, backtracking, you know, to sort of to covering ground and whatever it might be. But, like, that seems a bit simplistic as well too, you know. Like for, for to what extent is he going to be supported in the transfer market would be interesting yeah. as well. Yeah. So Spurs have equalised, uh, brilliant header, Lenglet with a header, it's a really good header. They cut to Antonio Conte in the stands and not a peep of emotion. Bored, I would say. Bored or angry? No, bored. Maybe he Brooding. just doesn't like it up in the stands. He needs to be. He needs the energy of being on, on the, the ground. And yeah. He looked like somebody who now thought, oh, there'd be no one getting chips at the moment if but I was to nip out. They, uh, they, I mean, they have started the second half again a little bit like a team. It's like, we're actually better than these. Let's just get on about yeah. showing that. And yeah. they, had, they had one very good chance early before they've scored. So it was, what, 10 minutes in and they've sort of broken the Marseille line three or four times. So that would appear to be quite encouraging for them. Meanwhile at Old Trafford, quite an interesting moment when, so Manchester United win the game and De Gea does his thing. There's a moment where he makes a save, the header, and it cuts to David Moyes. And you didn't need to be a lip reader to hear David Moyes say, F me, what a save. Mm. And he had that, you know, Moyes, when he's not least at Old Trafford, had that haunted, the wide-eyed, he's got quite a wide-eyed way of watching football. I think, I think it just brings it back when he goes, <laughs> yeah. he walks in the door and all of a sudden he's like, uh, it's like someone going back to, a, I don't know, an old haunt from the younger days and they suddenly realise, oh no. God, he things must, that happened here. He must get a feeling there. So he had that kind of haunted look and, uh, you know, staring intently into the distance. And it was a real rearguard action, Manchester United, everybody fist pumping afterwards, you know, one of those morale boosting type Wins where they had to dig deep, and they were hung on, like they were hanging on. Though, just hanging on. West Ham just kept making chances. Yeah. It was actually kind of impressive. Even that right shot at the end. Yeah, uh, in fairness to him, like that was going in. In fairness to him, <laughs> you have to caveat that. But like, he just keeps showing different sides of his game that are like. I mean, if he does anything good, do you have to say it's in fairness to the lad? This is the national. Yeah. Uh, just, just, okay. really, just yeah. As an Irish person, I feel obliged to say in fairness to him yeah. uh, while uh, applying some praise. I don't feel that way with Grealish actually. Definitely feel that way with Rice. Well know. actually Rice did the interview um, on the touchline with Dave Jones, Louis Saha wearing sunglasses for, at first on uh, Punditry. Did you see that? Uh, I didn't actually see I, yeah, yeah, I heard yeah. some reference to it. I, I, well, I know you were talking about commentary and stuff earlier but this is one of these games where I just, I just saw the the, the football you didn't miss much no. it was Louis Saha Jamie Redknapp and Gary Neville and I thought in fairness to Declan Rice he was uh, being interviewed pre-match and he was asked uh, you know playing at Old Trafford raise your game the usual and then he was asked a question I thought well he's not going to answer that which was what's your role today and I thought you know oh you know go out there blah 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 non-answer answer and instead he said oh my job today is to watch Bruno I really <laughs> he's the one he's, I, in, he's in my area of the pitch I have to close him down I have to stop him getting into spaces so I've really got to look after Bruno Fernandes today that, in fairness to him in fair, it, but it, it, was Declan, a, it was great <laughs> just, but I think Declan Rice just says what he like, I don't think Declan Rice has that footballer's filter this is what, what gets him into trouble he says what he means like I'm playing for all like, exactly but he says like, you know, I love it more than anything in this world you know like he was always a great interview, even when he was with Ireland. Like he'd go, he'd give you that extra, that extra line, the extra, the extra mile. Yeah. Well, like, it was, you know, it was good. He even spoke about going out to buy the newspapers and reading stuff about himself, and like very, uh, 
like that. That's why there's like t- there would be some people who would think you know. Like Declan Rice, if he was asked to play for anyone, he'd, he'd, he'd relish it. He'd, 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 like Declan, would you consider playing for France? Oh, I mean, that'd be good, wouldn't it? You know, I play. With the, you know what I mean? Like he's very. He gives you what you want. Like, is he going to be? Is he going to be a pundit in twenty years' time, or is he going to be like that? That light entertainment presenter, footballer. Well, he could definitely be the latter. I'd say there's a hybrid now. Yeah. Not going to name names. That? Oh come on, name the names. But uh, funny, actually, Jermaine Genesis, Is that the name you're thinking of? Or oh. He's a bit more cracked than Genius. I will be like. Um, who are you thinking about? I don't know who you're thinking about. Michael Richards. Oh that, yeah, you know, fun persona, bit of punditry thrown in. Isn't oh yeah, but I'm on about like present, light entertainment. Oh, actually I mean, present. I mean, like like oh, sorry, Jermaine Genesis yeah. like presents like the one, the one show. show. I'm talking about Declan Rice is definitely. Do you think you present the one show? No, no, he'd be a different version. He'd be on like a league of their own. He'd be he'd be one of those. Yeah, captain on league, a league of their he'd own. He'd be a captain. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I give you that because actually Carragher and Neville when. They interviewed each other. I can't remember who interviews who. I think Neville interviews Carragher on the overlap and they were discussing who'd, you know, take over. Oh, yeah. Us. Is that when they went to Liverpool? I think that was that yeah. one. Yeah. Who'd take over the Monday Night Football mantle? Who's next? And it's funny. They both said they thought Rice had something about him. Anyway. Post-match. Post-match. Rashford's interviewed again at Saha, Redknapp and Neville. And it was just in the midst of his, his interview, he just drops in the line. He says... Uh, Last year, mentally, I wasn't in the right headspace to play good football or to play football, I think he said. Mm. And it wasn't picked up upon, which was touch frustrating. I think sometimes when there are three to four, you know, how many does it cha- need mm. to change a light bulb? How many do you need to interview that one guy? There's a sense that I need to get my question in next as opposed to everybody going, wait, what? Yeah. You weren't in the right headspace to play football last year. What was going on? So we don't know whether it was all the charity stuff or something else missing the penalty in the Euros final I'd say would probably be up there yeah but I, but I always think that like Saka and Arsenal and look what he's doing is incredibly impressive because when you consider I mean we're not we're not English we're not there but we consider what a moment that must have been maybe it was maybe it was because a couple of players missed penalty it wasn't that one player Gareth Southgate style didn't quite shoulder the burden if you know what I mean but like Saka's incredible really for a young player that could have broken him you know, yeah, like that type point. of experience. But, but Rashford, because he probably he had a little bit of the backlash to his uh, the easier he needs to concentrate on his football line, which was the Rashford has problems. It must be because he does this stuff off the park. Like that's this is my pre this is my you know preconceived sort of notion that I'm now going to use confirmation bias to decide this is the case. Um, and and he maybe suffered a little bit more from that. Mm. You know, um, that. But I don't know. It could be anything else, as you say. But that is, but that is something that is. I think Gary Neville walking around the streets with Marcus Rashford would probably ask the follow-up question to that. Yeah, definitely would. And then, of course, there was Ronaldo blanking Neville, which this, is the big talking point. This is what weekend. we're. This, this is, is the good stuff. Are. This is where we are. Um, I'm sure you saw this. Yeah, I mean, I did. Like, I mean, I saw. It then he got a, he got a bit of a response. He got got a. Uh, was he slagged by his fellow pundits over this as you do Neville Neville oh he was with yeah. Mike Richards and Roy Keane Elevator it's mad isn't it it's just this world of never ending content with all <laughs> the pundits I was even thinking where are Mike Richards Gary Neville and Roy Keane what are they even at yeah. in that lift because they, they weren't doing the game together there it's just like, do they go back to like a punditry house like the bi- <laughs> is it like an influencer house yeah, like the like TikTok it could, house it could be I mean they're all they all have their little side projects around it as well don't they so no, as in like did. the podcast spinning out from uh, from the show or whatever. Well, if you didn't see that they're in a lift and 
Michael Richards joking he says to Gary Neville I heard he blanked you or something like that and starts laughing and Roy Keane says what did he say and Gary said oh he's talking about Ronaldo blanking me and uh, to which Neville sort of said why is he why does he care what I have to say mm. I mean could if, it be, of course it be. he's going to care what the most you know influential pundit former teammate is saying on television about him so but it's it's uh, it is churlish all the same of Ronaldo that was my main thought on that yeah. and I also thought Neville saw it coming he never moved the way Redknapp did to say hi to him. He sort of stood slightly stiffly as if maybe through back channels it had been made clear to him that Ronaldo hadn't been best pleased. Oh, gosh, it's not a bit embarrassing really, isn't it? It is I mean, very like, childish, isn't it? it is, I mean, but I mean, that is the whole Ronaldo thing and it's like, and I've no doubt, I, I don't, I think all the, the, all the great players defending Ronaldo, I just think some of them just don't want the hassle of having a go at him. Or losing that, um, that, that that relationship that you number know. in your phone yeah I think there's a massive element to that and I, I think I think you know this can happen like it can happen it can happen here you know like you've sort of you know great international players sort of coming towards the end of a career I think it's sort of it can sometimes be difficult for some other ex-teammates if they're speaking about them yeah you know um, I might want to yeah like I think I think um I think when Robbie was coming towards the end of his Ireland career, I think it was difficult for people who got on great with him, you know, who 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 sort of uh, really liked him and were you know big teammates of his. But there come a st- come a stage towards the end of it, was like you know maybe he doesn't need to play every game here, you know, maybe he needs to be occasionally taken out of the side, and you could sense a discomfort, you know, with people because you know, and, I, and I, in a way, there's something natural about it, you know, you've soldiered through certain scenarios. And you know, together and and like you have this big force of personality, and you know, I don't want to don't want to fall out with someone over yeah. this, you know. And there's, there's a sense of like you know, res- you know, respect the name, you know. And you sense like you get that vibe off it, like I mean, and like I'm not I'm not saying that he's one of these like he's an instance of someone who who like who would think differently. But you're reading stories about Rio Ferdinand, like he was involved in like you know, big part in making Ronaldo go to the club. So he's not suddenly going to probably sit on the couch and go actually. Here, you know, this is it. He needs to go or something. Mm. It's very unlikely to to pivot to that, but like that's the same type of like when you the the, the bigger name pundit you go for, the more likely they are to be, you know, they, they operate in a certain circle. You know, with with some of these people they have to speak about. That's just part of the game. You mm. know, um, Spurs are now top of the group, given how things have gone. Because is that is it a draw in the other game Frankfurt in Frankfurt? Yeah, so they've gone from third to top so Spurs nine points Sporting Lisbon eight points ahead of Frankfurt and goal difference is where we are we're going to take a short break a few text messages coming we were talking about uh, Qatar in the last hour Dan a few text messages in on uh, that I know you're going so we'll come to that in the uh, next couple of minutes our football show coverage is brought to you by Sky watch all the football you love including the biggest Premier League games every weekend live on Sky OTB GAA Burns was on another planet this year, boys. Like in the first half, the Ireland final this year, Old Murphy put a puck out down. Burns puts the claw up and puts it back over the bar. Like subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on off the ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Now you're very welcome back, Dan. We were talking about Qatar in the last hour on a slight tangent. You're always welcome to drop in and be a guest. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be, I'd be partial to a tangent. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. Bring something to the party. Yeah. Uh, so there had been an email in from 
a listener called Pat and uh, it was a great email where he just outlined the various ills of this tournament and and concluded by saying it's too late now for any meaningful action. Maybe if a big team had pulled out a couple of years ago, there might have been a chain reaction and we might have had this thing move somewhere else. But that's not going to happen at this stage, this late in the day. So I'll be boycotting it. And I would love if thousands, maybe millions did similar and the viewing figures were down. And at least it would be some kind of message or uh, reprimand for FIFA and all concerned. And so we were chatting about that on a slight tangent and everybody is just pretty... Um, disgusted as the reality of the thing takes shape and just the knowledge is going to go off and uh, that'll be the end of all the talk about migrant workers and their rights and the various issues people have it will just fade into the distance and FIFA will be happy and Qatar will be happy and you know this has happened in real time we've known for eight years of the abuses of migrant workers and it's never really been sorted out which is the staggering thing so uh, just one text in to round off the discussion Lads, I'm the biggest soccer fan. I've never missed any World Cup game since I was eight years old. The World Cup always a very special time for our family. Our son Barry was born during the 98 World Cup. I was the happiest mum ever. It was just me and my son in Mount Carmel Hospital watching all of the games every afternoon and evening. Visitors always knew not to visit in hospital if there was a game on. My son Barry won the amazing prize to walk out with Flora Maluda as the player's escort at the 2006 World Cup. I have made the decision to boycott the World Cup in three weeks' time in Qatar. On the one hand, it would be very hard not to watch the games, but the thousands of lives lost in building stadiums due mainly to very poor safety standards, Qatar's awful treatment of people from the LGBT community and the treatment of women generally, and their disgusting human rights record make it impossible to watch or support this tournament in any way. FIFA should hang their heads in shame for awarding this World Cup tournament to Qatar. So that's two, certainly, who are boycotting Mm. the tournament. I dare say they'll be in the tiny, 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 tiny 0.00001% minority, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, like, I suppose, I feel like as the tournament gets closer, like, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, just, just flicking through the, the star there, for example, like, on one page, you have, you know, Pogba's at the World Cup, Bale in a race to be fit. Like, it's, as a, it's, it's close now, it's like November the 1st, you know, it's right on top of us. So, um, now, there's there's always going to be these these news stories that probably accompany every World Cup. Who's injured? Who's going to be in squads? See Japan named their squad today. There's going to be that. Like you know, England's long list is getting out there. Um, but I, I I think people are probably talking about a scenario that I don't think is going to unfold, and that everyone is going to lose themselves in the World Cup and lose sight of this completely. I don't think that's going to be the case. Like I think I think the discussion of this World Cup is going to be dominate by this subject I feel like mm. I, I feel that in terms of the coverage that um, you know comes out there and I, I am I am heading over myself to work um, I feel like you know every day um, there's going to be an awareness of okay what's what's happening you know will there be sort of protests or gestures and stuff and I, and I feel that that's that's always going to be there with this competition now does that uh, in any way uh, take away from the basic point of anyone wanting to boycott or, or anyone feeling that that's what should happen. No, like definitely not. But um, like uh, my own perspective on it, like I mean, and uh, I think it was Pat did reference like the idea if a big nation had pulled out, um, what if Germany had pulled out say eight years ago? Like the problem with Qatar was the damage was done once the vote was made, you know, and like even even if there'd been a move a couple of years back say four or five years ago to like take it out of there unfortunately at that stage like a lot of the workers would have already moved there um, that would have also created a, a, a human rights disaster um, maybe even a bigger one 
you know, if you've all, all of a sudden all these people moved to the country and now the, the well, the construction is now going to stop. Uh, we don't; these stadiums actually aren't needed because we've taken the tournament away from here. What would happen to them then? You know, like, like this is the thing. Like once the decision was made to bring the tournament to Qatar and the wheels were set in motion, the damage was done. You know, um, and there possibly was no going back from that. Um, and like you, you know, like you see now, like the most of the people who made the decision aren't really involved mm. anymore. Um, you do sense um, you sort of would encounter people sort of, you know, from the FIFA sort of, uh, you know, working for FIFA or whatever. I, I wouldn't think it'd be wrong to say that they probably can't wait till it's over, you know, in the sense of um, I'm not sure we'll ever see anything like this happen again, you know, to this extent. Mm. You know what I mean? I think um, they have, they've made some changes to how tournaments are awarded now as well subsequently. So this is the last the last phase in a way of this chapter and it's a, like a horrible chapter and all the people can do now is probably um, highlight it at every turn you know and, and talk about it at every turn but it, but uh, but of course people will say that's completely empty like and is it is it true that um, you know if something mad happens on the pitch in that first week or Messi does something amazing you know will people lose themselves in it they will yeah Um they will. I mean, and like, I, I'm very conscious, like, you often talk about people, you know, talk about what about her um, by referencing past examples. But I mean, you know, people still look back in time, probably look at Argentina's World Cup in 78. I mean, bloody hell, what was going on there at the time? Often people will reminisce about moments from that tournament and make no reference to that. You know, people will talk about, people talk about f- famous boxing fights, talk about Rumble in the Jungle. There's a bit of a context there. I think people now, I'm not sure people are going to talk about events that happened in Qatar in 20 years without referencing where it was. I mean, the fact that it's in November, the fact that there's all the, the story of the Carabao Cup is almost Qatar, you know, that, that, that this is happening. I, and I feel like people are saying, no, people are just going to get lost in this and take their eyes off. I don't think they ever will completely. Um, but that's just my opinion. It could be different. It could be, I see in America... Uh, is it Fox who have the rights or whoever has the the coverage in America? They've um, they've made the decision to not reference uh, any of the these issues during the tournament. They've decided that they're not going to be uh, you know engaging in sort of big discussions on their coverage about the rights and wrongs of it being there because this is in line with sort of their approach to similar uh, tournaments. And that's that wouldn't be for me now. I have to say. Um, but I think generally in, in this part of the world, interesting. You know that that, that will always be yeah. That that that's it's. I mean it's it's getting so much louder. There's stuff happening every day now, and and um, I feel like it's not going to go away from that point of that discussion. I do think that print journalism will do a very good job, in part because it really lends itself to well thought out, crafted pieces, taking a look at the bigger picture, and there's also the space for a piece on page 19 destroying and, and, and taking a, picking apart the FIFA decision and on page 20 a match report I think I they, take a point, yeah. they sit very well beside each other and I suspect on, on radio and podcast similarly there'll be lots of discussions I'm very interested to see the live broadcasts because I think to be fair and even having worked on them on Virgin versus uh, here it's a harder space to navigate 
conversations about the deaths of 6,000 people and then because television is so tight, for instance, within 40 seconds, segue into it. But man, this game is going to be so good. It's not as easy a, a gear shift. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be trickier, especially whatever uh, about... I think my guess would be on, on the first night, BBC, ITV's coverage, RTE's coverage, uh, there'll be a discussion. There might even be a report as an insert you know, akin to, you remember when Cheltenham returned after COVID yeah. and clearly ITV were thinking, well, how do we, how do we handle the controversy yeah. last year? And, and and it was an insert. I think Piers Morgan was part of it and and then it was back to the live chat and it was a quick, relatively self-contained one minute of, nah, look, you know, final words, word from you, word for you, done, we're out. And I thought that was, that was how they handled it. And I think that's how the, the main channels might handle this situation. Because I saw it was interesting. There was a clip, but Gary Neville was on the News Agents podcast. Emily Maitlis and okay, various other colleagues. They, she left the BBC to do that. Yes, and he was on, and he was adamant that we'll be talking about this on air on the first night and right the way through. And hasn't he done a deal to do some stuff with Qatari TV though? I think. Don't as know. Well. Yeah, Gary Neville's doing B in. That was all I knew. Yeah, yeah. Who was who was like, you know, they're sort of a. Um, from that neck of the woods, so to speak, you know, because Gary Neville did a, I mean, I would say like he did this a... Lineker I'm talking about. Oh, Gary Lineker, oh, apologies, sorry, Gary sorry. Lineker said it. No, Gary Lineker. Maybe, did I say Gary Neville? I'm feeling he might have, yeah. Excuse yeah. me, he's on the brain. Yeah, yeah. Gary Lineker, sorry, was talking to former BBC colleague Emily Maitlis on the News Agents podcast and he said, we're going to be talking about it on the first night, we'll talk right the way through. And I thought, okay, it's very interesting. And again, like it's difficult because to be fair to, I don't know, Alan Shearer or Ian Wright, they're not experts in geopolitical issues and it can be difficult to go to them be, by dint of being very good footballers what can they say about no, this I you know. know so then you've got to think well do you bring in expertise do you bring in do you do self-contained packages somebody from Amnesty somebody who's got expertise in the area somebody who can give you know the Qatari side of the story yeah. and the interest of balance and it's a self-contained thing do you do that the second night do you do it the third night do you do it the quarterfinals do you, you know I think it's a harder thing for that live broadcast because this is as bi- this, I'm, I'm talking about this in the build up to a big kickoff mm. England Iran or you know Brazil are playing for the first night I think it's much harder for live broadcast around the world to do that and therefore I don't think in the main they will very often and so I feel the very serious issues will be consigned to print and th- those more peripheral yeah, yeah, like you, you, and the fact that Fox aren't doing it. Is yeah, kind of yeah, it's it's very like, and I I find it hard to believe that they'll be able to avoid that if there's um. Isn't it great to be here? Yeah, like, and <laughs> then know. there's like, well, hang on, what's the, you know, I think like it just feels like across the tournament there's going to be stories, right? There's going to be things happening. Like, will there be protests? I see today, um, one of the stories coming up in England today is that basically the English police for the first time ever are sort of sending over. Um, people to Qatar who are going to be uh, sort of effectively um, helping the to police the police or helping sorry helping the police there with their policing sorry in terms of um, keeping an eye on things I didn't realise that it's actually Qatar because I mean it's such a small uh, country such a small population they don't really have crime and security issues there they've had to bring in a lot of uh, you know, police people from other countries, like mm. Turkish police, and um, I think from Pakistan and various places that are going to have to do a lot of security around the grounds, and England are doing the same. Um, and like, 
again, like what happens if there's a there's a flare up or or there's a people arrested or if some of these things people are talking about fearing happen happen. Mm. Um, like I think now a lot of the bigger broadcasters. Um, because a lot of them are on social media and that's part of their profile um, possibly would have been easier to get away with ignoring it 20 years ago I don't think they actually can do that now I think you know the sheer volume of comments that will come their way mm. will mean for their peace of mind they will probably go there but I take your point about how often will they actually have the energy to go what, what if England start taking off what if England I mean their form isn't great but what if they're suddenly in a World Cup semi-final or a final and I, people are going to appreciate a slot about um, yeah, the ethics of this, you know, you, you I, and I, to, be, long, to yeah. be fair, like partly when I say that about live broadcast, that, that's out of a certain sympathy, you know. As uh, Spurs almost score a second, they're still one all, they're still going through. Like it's not an easy balance to strike. No, so it's not me sitting here saying, "Well, aren't they all terrible?" You know, there is no easy way. Like as I said, I mean, I'm go- uh, someone who's going myself. Like I know you sort of you're thinking about God. Like this is. You know, there's going to be a lot of comments along the lines of why would anyone? I think go it's there? easier if you don't mind me saying. I think it's much easier for you going as a clear-eyed, neutral journalist as opposed to if Ireland were there and what the reader might want would be. Yeah, Ireland I've, mania. We're joyful. We're at the World Cup. How is the injury to such and such? Nathan Collins. What is the latest? What did you know the ma- manager have to say about X, Y, and Z? Why did he drop so and so? Tell me that. Don't be telling me this is all terrible. You know, so it is, I think, much, it is easier for you to go out there and take almost a, well, I'm going to go out and see what I see here and, 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 and yeah, report maybe, back. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, but look, as I said, like people just have a general view of should, should anyone be there? But like, this is the thing. It's like, uh, you know, the, this is... Uh, I don't uh, think journalists should boycott it. Well, I mean, no, no I, I I mean, it sounds self-serving of me to say it, but I think, no, like you, you cover the event, like you cover the World Cup, wherever it is. Like I went to Russia four years ago. Yeah. I mean, you know, in hindsight, you would think about some elements of that and go, you know. Yeah, I guess it depends how you like, cover it. I mean, I think... Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think with this, if the, the simple retort to well don't go would be well then we're just left with FIFA PR to cover the thing yeah and I mean and unfortunately this is the problem with anyone talking of like anyone talking of boycott or anyone taking that stance is that like the the, the rights are sold now like the TV rights are sold like bad viewership aren't going to be isn't unfortunately going to be an issue here the deals are done mm, you know it's the same money either way like, unfortunately like closed doors have shown that football can continue at the highest level with empty stadiums Mm. Like there's a lot of things like the game will go on there's always someone there to take it there's always someone there to buy it and uh, the next World Cup is what it's in America um, Canada, Mexico four years from now probably going to be great mm. you know so mm. uh, the game will get over this you know and, and I think there's almost a sense of like this is it's suffering through um, yeah. some of the negative publicity as far as some of the organisers are concerned but I, I, that's why you never let it go and that's why um I think, I mean, like, you know, you read, on one hand, you think, God, yeah, you hear great stuff about reforms. And then this week, you see thousands of workers have been evicted, you know, with, with sort of weeks to go. Yeah. And it's like, no. Wales have reiterated they're one of nine European nations who are going to wear this rainbow coloured One Love armband. Um, and they've said we're prepared to be fined by FIFA if that's uh, what happens. But we're absolutely wearing the armband. And they're one of nine countries. Uh, Gareth Southgate was talking as well. <laughs> he said I've been out to Qatar several times I've met with lots of the workers out there and they're united in certainly one thing and that's that they want the tournament to happen and they want it to happen because they love football they want football to come to Qatar I, mean, I think 
who did you talk to? Were they hand chosen? Yeah, I but mean, like, I, but the, the, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go down but, that. But line there could be. I know. But I mean, I, I as I said, I've been to the last couple of World Cups, and like certainly even South Africa in 2010. I mean, there would be a lot of coverage around that of like again a lot of problems in the country. Yeah, you know why like you know the, the, around like the spend or you can have like, various angles you know the government a lot of issues the spend is always but, but uh, it's a big one yeah. but you I mean you were in Brazil as well like you'd still like there's no doubt that there will be people in Qatar like very very excited about the tournament being there like those people do exist like, sure. they will exist and of course like yeah then you can have your experience coloured too much by them you yeah, know it's like you know, let's, let's uh, not I've, have the, I've spoke to the migrant workers I've met to the porter like you know I've met someone in my hotel who's really excited about the football ergo everything is fine yes, here exactly. it can't be that but there will be an element of that too it's not a, I don't think it's as black and white as like you know everyone there is suffering um, you know hell and and they, like people want a very simple uh, explanation yeah. that they can they can buy into it. It's, I think there probably is layers to this. Like you, you would have people in touch with you, like Irish people over there who would who would defend Qatar, you know, and they will defend it. And you will see, um, you will see that pushback. I think across and these voices trying to get out across the the month as well too, and and their voices will also have to be heard. Like you know, sure. that's the thing. I mean, some of the elements of the um, reporting leading up to it haven't been perfect either you know in terms of some figures that were put about but I mean clearly I don't think there's any justification still for the tournament being awarded there mm. you know that that that's I don't think anyone could argue that you've been here in three weeks yeah uh, 18 20 wow. days now away like once you get to November the 1st it's uh it is it is very real yeah Welcome and I mean on. you know but it's it's I mean it's it's a you're so everyone is so used to the rhythm of the sort of football calendar being in a particular way um, and you kind of forget that this is this is going to be a month stuck into November and mm. December, um, finishing the Sunday before Christmas. Um, it's it's unusual. The football show coverage is brought to you with Sky. Watch all the football you love in one place, including the biggest Premier League games every weekend live on Sky. Latest at Anfield, Liverpool are now 1-0 up against Napoli. So Liverpool won Napoli nil into the 94th minute. It was Mo Salah in the 85th minute with the goal for Liverpool so Liverpool 1-0 up after uh, 94 minutes Salah with a goal in the 85th and as things stand Spurs uh, bar late concession they're currently 1-all oh they've almost just conceded that would have been a great commentator's (laughs) uh, curse moment there oh wow deep cross to the far post Uh, all the momentum with the player coming in if he just gets it on target he scores but he doesn't get it on target how did he miss that that's a really bad miss he's he's slipped an unmarked to the far post he's inside the six yard box the perfect pace that he just needs to get the right connection and it'll go past Loris and he almost I mean he almost tries <laughs> to the manager turned around in disbelief the manager's facial expression uh, suggested that he agreed with you how did he miss that yeah he almost like diverted his head to try and glance it to the corner and really he just needed a direct connection and it, and it would be a goal yeah. wow okay Spurs still going through back in one sec Welcome back. 90 minutes in the clock. Still Marseille 1, Spurs 1. Antonio Conte positively bored out of his mind in the stance. He doesn't like it up there. Yeah, well... I mean, I, not for him. Well, I, I thought, I'm not sure about bored. I think he looked a little bit more stressed there, to be honest. As though, he was stressed. What there, am yeah. I, like... 
you know, we have just conceded a guilt edge chance to go out of this competition. Mm. And I'm sitting here next to whoever, like, you know. I think his brother might be next to him, part of the coaching right. staff. Oh, they yeah, also have about quite, yeah. six players ahead of the ball and they're being hit here on the break. I don't think Conte wanted them to push for a second at the no. expense of giving away another chance to Marseille or in the box and shoot. Conte's like, why did five players get ahead of the ball there? Conte's like, I need, uh, he's, t- he's telling his brother, like, is your, because that's why his brother is, is, is able to provide contact with the bench. Yeah. It's a sort of a slight loophole in the, uh, the, the rules, you know, it's what, what it doesn't tell us. Um, you know is illegal and uh, I'd imagine he's saying is that connection working can you get that message down so Conte can't talk directly to the bench but he can say something to his brother beside him who can then talk directly to the bench yeah I mean obviously being top would be nice but you'll see like some other like Liverpool are second makes you know like you'll see I mean it makes Sounds a bit like of Real odds are top even. yeah it makes a bit of odds you know your, your percentage chances are, are better being top but mm. you mentioned we were just chatting on WhatsApp I said anything you want to touch on there's a good documentary on Channel 4 yeah so I was watching I mean it's, it's very World Cup related yeah, yeah. Um, it's I think it's like Italia 90 when football changed forever um, if people can maybe I presume and it's true you know can you can you get your Channel 4 back to all four sometimes you can oh, the, not, the four demand is amazing is it really okay oh. I, I wouldn't have used it too much but um, Daniel download the app it has everything that's ever been on Channel 4 well, and you can, you can Chromecast it well that's great well yeah. then people aren't going to if you've missed this um, it's a three-parter which I think and it was only someone recommended to me yesterday and you would think it's going to be a documentary like uh, about all the football in Italian 90 but the first episode wasn't about football at all and it was about um, the English fans travelling to Italia 90 um, and following on from a decade of hooliganism um, you know from Heysel Tony Evans is involved he's one of the contributors speaking about sort of um, football in the 80s uh, Margaret Thatcher uh, sending the Minister of Sport Colin Moynihan out to Italia 90 effectively saying to the Italian police who were dealing out some heavy handed treatment more of the same please keep it going um, and sort of interviewed a, a number of I suppose firm leaders from the various clubs at the time speaking about the movement uh, not glamorising it but also speaking about it in a, in a little bit more uh, nuanced way like there was um you know, so, some some fellow who I can't remember which club he was he was running with, but he was talking about how yeah, listen, the clothes, uh, the fashion, all of that really appealed to me. You know, but it's it's more of a sort of a the it's a broader sort of piece. You know, an insight into England in the eighties leading up to the tournament because the the, the first minute or two, it's like Stuart Pearce and Paul Gascoigne and various people interviewed, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be one of those documentaries, but it's actually it's actually not. Um, and w- with a couple of words from the Italian police officers of the era um, speaking about their memory so okay, one episode push. down two more to go uh, what's it called it looks decent Italian 90 when football changed forever okay. I think that's what it's called yeah very good uh, OTBAM is coming at you tomorrow morning Shane Hannan and Johnny Ward in the building what a team what a team Martin Lipton will be on Alex Kavanagh Paddy Stapleton as well so half past seven as usual on OTBAM so the latest in the Champions League is that Liverpool finished 2-0 up against Napoli. They got another late goal. So Mo Salah on 85 minutes and Darwin Nunes in the 100th minute. I wonder, was it a break where he, like, he had the chance to pass and he just didn't? I know, well, he scored either way. Yeah. So 2-0. Uh, Rangers 1, Ajax 3. We have Bayer Leverkusen, Club Bruges, nil all draw. Porto 2, Atletico 1. Bayern Munich 2 nil winners against Inter and Barcelona. Not that it matters. 4-2 win away to Victoria Pilsen. 
Uh, so Ajax, by the way, to finish uh, 3-1. That means Rangers finish their group campaign on zero points and minus 20 in goal difference. So they're the worst team in Champions League history. They've beaten Dinamo Zagreb, who in 2013 ended with a goal difference of minus 19. Uh, Victoria Pilsen, this year, having lost 4-2 to Barca, end up on minus 19. But Rangers, minus 20, Dan, is a new low on zero points. Graham, I mean, they did at least score tonight, but... Um I mean, they were in the Europa League final last year. I mean, that is particularly bad. Yeah, we got to go. Daniel, thank you very much. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.